Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes, brought to you by Harrell's. This is your host, Jack Harrell III. Our Turf Dudes are reaching out to industry leaders and game changers to discuss what they're seeing out there. If you have a topic suggestion or know of a Turf Dude with innovative work in the field we should feature, please let us know at turfdudes@heralds.com. Today's episode features Pat Jones and Dr. Raymond Snyder discussing turf grass trends with Dr. Brian Unruh from the University of Florida. Hey everybody, it's Pat Jones. I'm here with Dr. Raymond Snyder of Harold's and our friend Dr. Brian Unruh from Florida. Brian, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, we're, we're happy that you could join us and talk a little bit about turf grass trends in the state of Florida and, and a whole range of subjects, but uh, maybe just give us uh, the, the, the elevator version of who you are and what you do for, for those who, who uh, maybe those Yankees out there who don't know you well. <laughs> the Yankees. Uh, well, you know, I, uh, uh, I'm often implicated as a Yankee, but uh, I'm really a Midwesterner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I grew up in Kansas and went to Kansas State University and did a bachelor's and master's and then on up to Iowa State and then my doctorate. And then, gosh, in January of 1996, I came to the University of Florida, which now makes me the old guy at the <laughs> University of Florida. Um, and so, um, so I'm, I'm going on 24 years in Florida and, um, you know, interestingly, I'm based in the Florida panhandle. Um, we, we often joke that, uh, uh, you know, that's where my family resides. I, um, <laughs> you're spend all, a tremendous number of nights on the road. You're all over the um, place. I mean, every, every time I talk to you, you're somewhere else. So that you, you definitely get around. I do. I'm, uh, I think this week I'll break a hundred nights on the road this year. And, um, and mostly in Florida, um, obviously with, uh, I don't know what the latest county is, somewhere between 1,100 and 1,300 golf courses in Florida. Uh, I run around, uh, doing a lot of site visits and, um, but, uh, so as, you know, I'm a extension turf specialist and I'm kind of old school. I think you have to be out of your office to do good extension work. Um, Amen. and so that puts me on the road and, uh, and so running around and, and obviously, uh, pretty, pretty heavily involved in the in the national golf course bmp initiative and and uh of course that uh really kind of started in, in full force in florida many years ago and so so we have the florida's the only state in the nation with the golf course bmp certification program and i'm pretty heavily involved with that and, and uh so that keeps me hopping and then uh in florida i think we're i don't know what the latest number is but over a hundred fertilizer ordinances in the state of Florida. Hmm. Um, so that keeps me hopping, um, as well and trying to, trying to bring science to the uh, forefront of, of those discussions within the, uh, you know, county commission meetings and, and, uh, and city council. And, um, you know, you know, and oftentimes science is not, uh, uh wanted, um, and it's, uh, pretty poorly understood. Uh, right. And so trying to bring that to bear, so talk, talk about that for one second, because because this has been such an issue. And I think some of it revolves around glyphosate, but also just in general, the the lack of understanding of science among, I, I guess we could call them civilians. Constituents. <laughs> for, yeah, state, for yeah. purposes of this discussion. But so how do you and, and, and what advice do you have for us and for superintendents listening out there? How do you talk to the average person about Science, particularly when it comes to, to pesticides and, and some of the products that are that are tools that we use 
and we know them to be well well regulated and tested, but but it's harder. So how do you go about that process of being a a, a representative of the university and and talking to them as as constituents? I guess is a really good way to put it. What what's your advice to people? Sure. Well, I for one, when I go into into one of these meetings, I'm going to do a bunch of homework. Uh, I think it's important to try to bring context to the discussion and. Um, and so oftentimes, you know, we get to talking about parts per million and parts per billion and, you know, and LSD values, uh, you know, and statistics and kilograms per hectare, <laughs> you know, just stuff that's foreign to just about everybody, you know. And so I try to bring context to the discussion. For example, and, you know, I was addressing a city council and, and, uh, you know, we had applied 196 kilograms of nitrogen, you know, per hectare and, and, uh, you know, and after two years, you know, a quarter, uh, 0.25 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare leaked out the bottom of the system, you know, which, and, and, and people just have no context of that. And so I, I kind of posed the question. I said, you know, if you weighed 196 pounds and you stepped on the, you know, and you were on a diet and, and, uh, and you lost a quarter of a pound, you know, would you get real excited about that? And of course, nobody is excited. Uh, if you only lose a quarter of a pound, if you weigh, you know, 196 and, and I brought that into context, and I said, "That's what is lost out of this system, you know, was a quarter pound, right, right, um, you know, or a quarter kilogram, relatively." And uh, and just trying to bring context to to those numbers that we put up, and and oftentimes they're you know infinitesimally small. Um, and but uh, so I think it's important to that, and then I think one of the other sides, and I I think even within our own within our own circles. Uh, science is poorly understood and that we want to make it very absolute and very definitive. And, um, and I think it's important to understand that, you know, in the parameters that that study or this study was conducted, uh, that was the results. Those were the outcomes. And I think we have to be very careful to not superimpose those results, you know, in, in a blanket discussion. And I think one thing we can agree on is what you mentioned earlier, which is BMPs have uh, have really got some momentum nationally, and it all started in Florida, very much. So that was the one of the first places that got it going. When you first got involved with the BMP project, how, how has it changed? How has it evolved over probably 15 years now that you guys have been developing these things? And where is it at today? Yeah, so the in Florida, I'm often drawn back to the meeting. Uh, well, let's just focus on golf. But in in uh, in 2003, a, a number of superintendents and myself and folks from our Department of Environmental Protection, we sat around the round table, uh, literally a round table in the clubhouse at Grand Cypress there in Lake Buena Vista, outside of Disney, and and discussed, you know, what does a golf course BMP manual look like? And uh, and it took us four years to kind of bring that document forward um, so that we published in 2007 and then it kind of sat there for a couple of years and then there was this discussion that you know well let's put a little more meat on those bones and create a certification program and so in 2010 that then was uh, kind of unveiled and, and so Florida has been a big part of uh, uh, you know what we do in Florida and, and uh, those hundred plus fertilizer ordinances we have in Florida golf has uh, you know, when golf is mentioned in one of those hundred plus fertilizer ordinances, it basically just says golf courses must, you know, adhere to the golf course BMP manual. And so 
we often say, you know, golf is exempted from the from the um, from the ordinance, but that's not true. They're uh, they just points to the BMP, and so then GCSAA felt the need uh, to really embrace this BMP initiative, and so in 2015 they put out the, a request for proposals, and and uh, the UF team was was fortunate to to. Uh, win that that contract to develop the content behind the national bmp program and so uh i got to roll that out at the 2017 golf industry show and and uh and so you know and our goal nationally is for all 50 states to have a bmp document in place by 2020 and uh, we will by the end of 2019 this year we should have 41 states across wow. that finish line um and then nine more will come online next year and so it's a really cool initiative. It's been just a blast to be involved in in, uh, in seeing that, and and then really even being able to take it to the highest levels of, of government this this year in D.C. at uh, National Golf Day or, or leading up to National Golf Day. The GCSAA uh, executive staff and and, uh, and the government relations committee and myself. Uh, got to, to sit across the table from uh, Andrew Wheeler, the, the head of the U.S. EPA, and, and to share with him what we were doing on the BMP front. And, uh, it was very well received. Is there a, a homepage or a source of consolidated information associated with these BMPs so that a kind of a one-stop shop for golf course superintendents to help identify the, their roles that they need to be following. Sure. So the uh, so on the GCSAA.org website, uh, there's I think the middle tab up on the top says something about environment, and you click on that, and then there's an entire website on the on the BMP initiative, and, and uh, all the the content that uh, we've written is up there, and there's also a it'll point to a, a uh, the planning guide and that really provides kind of some background information as to, you know, where we are and, and how we've, we put this all together. And then GCSA launched a, uh, pretty aggressive education program related to BMPs and, um, and so different folks, uh, Beth Gertal and, and, uh, recently Adam Dell and we brought, John Foy out of retirement uh, a couple <laughs> months ago, and and uh, um, he did a webinar uh, related to you know to cultural practices, and of course I've provided quite a bit of content, but but uh, basically developing a lot of content related to BMPs and uh, more high level stuff, you know, kind of the why do we do what we do, and and uh, um, you know those things that you really should be embracing as as part of the as part of the the BMP and and so so that fifty by twenty twenty you know that was kind of phase one and then phase two and I, I rolled it out at the golf industry show in twenty eighteen and that's the facility level BMP mm-hmm. uh, and, and and so once the state has a BMP document in place then the individual superintendent logs into the GCSA website. Um, and then they will see uh, right there on the screen a copy of their state manual, and literally with three mouse clicks they can clone that document, and they have a BMP manual for their facility 
and they can change the cover, you know, put their signature whole photograph on the front cover and, you know, best management practices for, you know, fed golf course and whatever, you know, state in the, in the nation. Um, and then they go in and, and, uh, Frank Roxy has coined the phrase that the turbo tax for BMPs and so the <laughs> portal that we, that we use it, it's, it's got a turbo taxish in the sense that, um, the content's all up there and you can, you know, grab your content and edit it and add content, take away content, um, and, uh, and then literally, you know, push publish and, and you have a, a document that then you can print out and, uh, you know, when the regulatory folks come knocking, you can hand it to them and say, you know, here's the, the, the BMP manual that, that we are following as a, as a facility. Is there, are there, or has there been BMP type workshops at GIS or other, uh, turf manager events? Absolutely. So, so kind of two, let me answer both sides of that question. Um, so last year and, and this year on Tuesday at, at the golf industry show is kind of the BMP day. And so I will be uh, moderating a session, uh, kind of the old environmental sessions coming back and, and I'll set the stage with, you know, why BMPs are important. And, uh, and then I think we have five superintendents really from across the country that have embraced BMPs. Um, in different aspects of the BMP and, uh, they'll, uh, be in the session sharing, uh, their experience, um, with, with BMPs and, uh, and how they've, you know, been beneficial for them as, as superintendents and, you know, working with, um, local groups, uh, you know, whether they're kind of adversarial or, or, you know, or partners. And, uh, and so that is, um, I think Tuesday morning at the golf industry show and then Tuesday afternoon, um, we'll, uh, basically kind of open the, the curtain, so to speak, and, uh, related to the facility tool. And, uh, I'll kick that four hour session off with again, kind of a, introducing them to the tool. Uh, we're hoping superintendents will, will literally bring their laptop to the, to the session hmm. and, uh, we'll work with them to log into the tool and, make those three mouse clicks to, uh, to have, you know, start the process of developing their BMP. And so, so that's been, that's the golf industry show side of the equation. And then, uh, GSDSA has partnered with some of the state superintendent associations where BMPs are coming online and, and, uh, and they're conducting some in-state workshops. Uh, they did one in Nebraska, uh, earlier this year, I believe. And, um, and then they did one, I think, up in Maryland. Um, and so, again, kind of a four-hour type of session where they, again, go in and introduce the, the concepts and introduce the tool. And then different folks have, have uh, uh, you know, talked about the various uh, components of, of the BMP. So, when you when you do occasionally of, get pushback, Brian, from from superintendents or others about this, are there misconceptions that they have about these facility BMPs that somehow uh, there, you know, it's going to be some sort of a, a regulatory standard almost or something, or, or have they widely accepted them when they understand, hey, you can develop this guideline for your own facility? Yeah. Uh, yes to both of those. I think initially there was some pushback um, and there is concern. And I'm like, you know, you're going to get regulated. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's coming. Uh, and so self-regulate to start with, 
um, and then paved the road for those folks. And so, you know, our, our story in Florida, uh, you know, we had kind of a, uh, kind of a, a dark day where we, Florida superintendents and myself met with DEP over some concern of, they implicated some golf courses as being point source polluters, which using technical jargon, that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to focus on non-point source pollution, and that's what BMPs address. That's you know where we all contributed so to, to pollution, so we all should be part of the solution. Versus point source, and that's kind of akin to a factory with a pipe sticking out into the bay, dumping you know green goo, and uh, and so we sat down around the table and, and talked about this with uh, with our Department of Environmental Protection here in Florida. Uh, it was kind of interesting that that side of DEP really wasn't even aware of the document that originated within their own, hmm. you know, organization. And uh, and so once they, you know, heard about it, they're like, well, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah. Um, and so then uh, in 2016, Florida legislature passed a, a quite a bit of regulation relative to springs and and so that same group came back and asked us to come back to the table and said, you know, it looks like we're going to be adopting these by rule per the, you know, the legislation that was passed. How do you best, you know, suggest we, we do this? That is, you know, complies with the letter of the law, but is not overly burdensome to, to the industry. And we said, well, you remember that BMP we were talking about mm. in the certification program? Um, and uh, we said, let's just go with that. And and that's what has been embraced. It's not been uh, passed yet. But um, so I've seen in Florida, the industry has shifted, you know, from 10 years ago, absolutely no way. We don't want this thing to be regulatory to now we're strategizing on how to get it regulatory because there comes with a regulatory BMP, at least in Florida. Uh, the, the technical jargon is presumption of compliance. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, in, the, in in our regulatory BMPs in Florida, your our agricultural BMPs. You know, there's a form in the document that, or in the book that you fill out, and you enroll your acreage or you enroll your farm into this thing, and um, and that paperwork gets filed, and you are then presumed to be in compliance. And uh, so, if some environmental mishap happens on the facility, they they go and they look up. Oh, yep, uh, said farm is is. Uh, is presumed to be in compliance and so you know when the regulatory folks show up at the at the farm you know the guns aren't drawn and the sirens aren't blaring and and uh and it's more of a dialogue you know and and assuming that the farmer can document that you know through record keeping and you know best practices that they're doing what they said they would do uh then they're not liable right and so uh so that's where we are in florida we're we're uh, aggressively looking for ways to to bring that about, um, and our goal here really is, you know, at the state level, um, if we can get that in place, you know, at the state level, uh, then it would probably go a long way to uh, to level that playing field so that we don't have 107, you know, fertilizer ordinances that are right. treating every golf course different. So, so, so the goal of these BMPs is. Obviously, to to um, help provide for a clean environment, a sustainable environment. What, just in general terms, what are some of the you know easy practices that a turf manager can do to help 
support environmental sustainability as it relates to their inputs? Sure. So I think, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, if you look at the really the core of the BMP, uh, as it goes back to the 1972 Clean Water Act that Richard Nixon signed into law, mm-hmm. it's dealing with water quality issues. Um, now, that has moved beyond with energy issues and pollinator protection and, and uh, you know, pesticide use and, uh, you know, all, all of those things. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's using science to, to, to make, you know, fertilizer applications. I, I mean, an understanding technology that's there and, and uh, you know, and kind of the, the four R's of nutrient, you know, stewardship, you know, of using the right rate, and the right product at the right time and, um, and making sure that that's there. Um, I think understanding uh, pesticides and their application and how do we select a pesticide. Um, I did a, a webinar for GCSA a few, uh, I don't know, two months ago where I looked at pesticide selection BMPs. You know, we tend to look at cost and does it work or not? And and those are pretty, you know, you obviously got to have a product that works and a, and a product you can afford. But there's a whole level of other information that we need to be looking at relative to, you know, to the impact that that particular pesticide may have on, on uh, you know, desirables, you know, your your critters on the golf course, so to speak. Um, what, what impact might that have on your people, you know, and, and, and then, uh, and environmentally, you know, there's certain, uh, pesticides, you know, right there on, on the label, it'll tell you, you know, do not use when you have a, uh, you know, shallow groundwater. Mm-hmm. Well, most of Florida has a pretty shallow groundwater. To, and, and so does that mean you shouldn't use that product? Not at all. What it means is, uh, you know, for example, this year we've had a tremendous amount of rain in certain parts of the state. And so, I mean, you go out and put a cup cutter in the fairway and you're at water. Right. Uh, you know, there's water in the bottom of the hole. So it's those kinds of things that I think where we look at that, should we use that product, you know, with a, with a known groundwater concern uh, when we have a, a super high elevated water table? Probably not. And, and so it's, you know, it's understanding those kinds of things and, um, uh, I think a huge issue that we're dealing with right now is, you know, just, uh, water quality monitoring. Um, and I'm working with superintendents right now on really proactively, uh, developing sampling programs, um, so that they know, you know, we're, we're very quick to cite the research, you know, that, that has come out across the country, you know, that water exiting the golf course is cleaner than watering entering the golf course. Um, and that's one of those things where in those particular studies that we so often cite, that is in fact what happened. Right. Uh, but does that mean that that's what's happening, you know, on a golf course in, in Palm Beach? Uh, you know, without data, we don't know. And so I think it's critically important to, you know, put some of these things in place so that you develop some very site-specific data um, over time, done properly, so that, you know, when that knock comes on the door, uh, you know, for whoever's knocking at the door, you know, whether they're a, a friend or a foe, uh, that you have that, that evidence that can document what you're doing. Right. And if, and if the data come, and if the data comes back and is not favorable, well, then what do we need to do? And that's kind of the cool thing about BMPs. It's an iterative process. And so we, we, 
we put something into motion and we, we monitor it and, and, and uh, as we monitor, if it, if that, if that data comes back and it's not good, then let's change the practice uh, and improve it. Might you be a good contact for turf managers in the state or the southeast uh, to utilize as a means of potentially developing their site-specific data? Sure, I think I think so. At least at a higher level, um, I'm very sensitive to. Um, you know, and as we put this BMP thing in place, you know, I guess academically, I'm kind of the face of it, but I think it's really important that superintendents in their respective states reach out to their, uh, state turf specialist. Right. Um, and I'm very, very sensitive about, you know, um, going across state lines and, and, uh, um, making sure that I don't infringe upon somebody else's territory and, um, but cer- certainly within Florida. Other day, but certainly within Florida, though. You're, Absolutely. Yeah. I, that's what I do most day in and day out. So, yeah. so, so uh, we'll, we'll make you here for the last couple of minutes. Put on your extension hat and tell us about what kinds of questions you're getting agronomically from superintendents and others as we get into the fall of uh, 2019. Uh, what what are you hearing? Are people still battling goosegrass? Are there uh, issues with, I, I know we do have some issues down here with uh, do not apply uh, fertilizer time periods. So so what kinds of qu- typical questions are you getting from turf managers this time of, time of year and what are you telling them? Sure. Um, so uh, one of the things, and, and Twitter's a great thing, but not always. Um, <laughs> Tell me about know, it. So, <laughs> so one of the things, you know, we see, you know, fall fertilization, and, you know, different things. And, and I think we have to realize, you know, we grow in warm seasons and we grow in cool season mm-hmm. grasses. And, um, you know, and it can be very site-specific um, uh information so a lot of times marketing you know comes out and you know tweets out these things and so i'll get calls saying well you know i'm seeing this what what should we do and i think it's very situational uh you know and again going back and looking at you know what are the state specific recommendations and um you know and again and as we said earlier science is you know science always is evolving and, and we're learning more about you know for example you know fall fertilization on bermuda grass um we're learning learning things there and and then even within the state of florida uh south florida 12 month growing season north florida where uh my home is you know seven month growing season and so very very different um uh, things um weeds uh, are, are a big deal um you know the the resistance management concerns are 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 real goosegrass uh, uh poa and uh the, the real cool thing on the poa side is the number of uh of states i think i don't know there's 14 states involved but we're looking at probably the most comprehensive not probably it is the most comprehensive study ever done on uh, nationally looking at poa uh, dynamics all across the country and and uh so all the way from oregon to florida um you know, the north to south, and so scientists are addressing that. And so, so we're out uh, doing a lot of work, you know, relative to POA, and you know, that coming on diseases are are, are pretty big, uh, and uh, you know, the the many rings, uh, and uh, you know, what do you do there? They're starting to express themselves. Um, 
gosh, uh, what else has happened? Sir Factons, boy, that one gets a lot of uh, discussion out there. And, and uh, you know, should we, shouldn't we and, um, you know, use, use these various products? And uh, so just uh, lots of different, you know, the new, we've got a interesting time in the Bermuda grass market with all these new Bermuda grasses in the marketplace. And so, Florida Golf Course Superintendents and the USGA are funding some research that we have at all three of our major locations in Florida looking at these grasses. And it's been kind of cool to to look at those, how they perform in South Florida versus North Florida. And then we've even drilled down as to how do they perform in the winter months in Florida, mm-hmm. you know, when, when the industry is in, in full swing down there. And um, so we're, that data is really coming forward and, and uh, um, it's fun to kind of then come back and see marketing claims, to be honest, how these things shake out. But my experience is, you know, a superintendent, um, they're going to play that hand that they're dealt and they're going to play it the best way they can. And so, um, you know, they, you know, for whatever reason, they, they chose to go with, you know, with this particular cultivar of Bermuda grass and they're going to make it look great. Um, you know, superintendent down the road for whatever reason they chose to go with a different cultivar. You know what? They're going to make it look great. Yep. Um, and so it's uh, uh, it's interesting. Can Can you give us a little bit of the the scope of the University of Florida's research efforts as you see it from your facility over to Gainesville and then uh, or Citra and then on down to South Florida, just kind of a high level thoughts on, on the scope of the work the university's doing. Sure. Uh, one of our, you know, why I think I'm most excited about the fact that here in another, what March or excuse me, November 15th, Marco Skiavon will be joining the faculty at the university of Florida based at the Fort Lauderdale research and education center. And pretty excited about that. Marco, I think is going to bring a wealth of, of, uh, of good knowledge to Florida. Uh, he's been out at UC Riverside for the last, I think, four years. And then prior to that was at New Mexico State. And so really been focused on drought and water quality, um, salinity issues, which are things that will, uh, are already impacting Florida. And so, uh, and then he brings, a, I think, just a real practical side of, of turf management to the, to the table as well. And, um, just with his experience and so so like i said he'll be joining us november 15th and heading up our fort lauderdale facility and then of course i'm at the opposite end of the state and um now i'm kind of a people ask me you know what my expertise is and i'm not sure i have one but um (laughs) kind of the you know it all jack of all yeah master of none but you know at my facility i'm addressing everything from you know the genetic side and I don't know anything about breeding other than I have two children that uh, <laughs> are one that and, and one that is adopted. But um, the uh, but I know how to put the screws to these grasses, and so been able to partner with with some really great uh, geneticists that are the ones that are doing the genetics. And so it's really cool to see you know new grasses coming down the pike uh, in Central Florida, of course, at our Gainesville and. and Gainesville campus and Citra research facility. Uh, and we have Billy Crow, you know, leading nematologist in the world, um, you know, doing really cool stuff and testing, you know, these new products that are in the marketplace and, um, and not just that, but developing even new methods of detection, so to speak on, um, 
how to better elucidate, you know, and understand these critters that are, are causing problems. And Phil Harmon, uh, turf pathologist, is Gainesville-based, and our breeder, Kevin Kenworthy. And Jason Cruz focuses more on the academic programs and athletic turf, and uh, Lori Trenholm, uh, urban turf. Um, and so, and then uh, our, I say he's our youngest guy, but uh, because he, he is in the sense of until um, until uh, Marco joins us, but Adam Dell is a, our entomologist in Gainesville, and he's doing some really cool stuff uh, looking at pollinator protection and, and how do we go into you know golf courses and, and you know and take uh, maybe some intensive managed areas um, that uh, don't really need to be intensively mm-hmm. managed and convert those to habitat for pollinators and um, so looking at some of that and then really he's, he's got a real strong ecology background and so he's doing some stuff to be candid that makes my brain hurt um, <laughs> you know just from the, from the ecology side of things and um, you know and how does you know, doing this impact you know the ecology and the you know environment that these uh, beneficials or or pests you know live in and um, and so he's he's done some neat work uh, it's, and so it's great to see it's great to see you guys have such a good team now you know and that that so it, it's and that's not necessarily the case around the country at some of our our turf schools so it's good to see you guys moving forward I, you've talked here endlessly about all the things that you and your team there are doing uh for the industry i guess my question uh you know maybe to to end with is what can superintendents do to help you uh, are there samples of things you're looking for? Is there particular research projects you need help with? Uh, what, what, what can the listeners do for you to help you guys accomplish your goals? Uh, write big checks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. You know, it's interesting. Just uh, uh, two weeks ago, following our, our, our Gainesville Field Day, uh, superintendents and sod growers, we sat down that afternoon and discussed just that question, Pat, you know, is, is how can we be better partners? Um, and, uh, it, and part of it is, is, uh, you know, helping us understand, you know, what are you, what are you struggling with? And, uh, uh actually the superintendents, uh, Florida superintendents, you know, they do a survey and, and, uh, we've got some really, I think really for the first time in my 24 years with that survey really got some really intriguing or, or, or challenging problems that have, you know, been put up on the table saying, you know, we need some answers to these and not just a little, you know, fluffy superficial stuff, but I mean, really, uh, you know, asking the, you know, answering questions, you know, these surfactants and these, these paints and these dyes and, you know, these different types of products, what are they doing to the microbiology? Well, that's a good darn question. Mm. Um, and so, uh, so I'm seeing a kind of a heightened level of, of uh, intrigue or, or, or questions that superintendents are asking. Um, but again, that, you know, that research comes with a cost. And so we, we've discussed, uh, you know, better ways, the uh, rounds for research uh, um, program that, you know, GCSA does. And, and uh, we've seen a, a pretty steep, increase in in uh in earnings from that in florida over the last couple of years um superintendents in florida really embraced that and uh i think our, our hopes is that more superintendents in florida will embrace that and get those rounds donated um so that those dollars can be 
can be raised through that auction, which then directly come back and and uh, fund the research. And I think as well as being open to allowing the scientists to come in and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, and do some work. We mentioned that the POA project that we're on. Um, right. We just, my, my staff went south uh, over the last couple of weeks and putting in uh, uh, kind of some high-tech uh, weather uh, monitoring systems on a couple of courses down South Florida. And, um, but, you know, we kind of need some people to babysit that and, and be diligent with it, you know, not, oh, crap, I got to go take that data. But, but you know, making sure that the system is is doing what it needs to be doing and and, uh, and just partnering with us to kind of be the the hands and feet and eyes on the ground when, when the scientists can't be there. But, right. but uh, I've been harping, you know, my world revolves around grants, grad students and publications. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the superintendent's world revolves around providing, you know, the, the, the playing conditions that their membership expects for the budget that they've been given. Uh, my world is grants, grad students and publications. And so I've got to get the grants that fund the students that do the work that generate the publications. And, uh, that is what I'm based. That's what I am judged upon. And, uh, and when any one of those three get out of whack, um, you know, then, then, uh, what I am evaluated on, you know, also gets out of whack. And, and that's for, that's true for all, for all academics, really. Um, well, well, we're evaluating so. you on the quality of this podcast and we give you an A plus <laughs> yes. and we, we can't Woo. thank you enough. We can't thank you enough for giving us some of our, uh, of your time today. Uh, I, we, we want to make sure that we can all follow you on various social media platforms. Can you just quickly give us the rundown of Brian Unruh on Twitter and then the university's uh, feeds? Yeah, so uh, mine is, is at JB Unruh. And, uh, and then we have a UF Turf team, at UF Turf team. And that's a, an aggregator where all of us uh, at the UF program is we're tweeting out programmatic kinds of things, then they tend to populate that site. That's such a good um, idea. Thank well. you for doing that. That's a great plan. Well, just then you mentioned too the, the Resist POA project too, which I think is a fascinating yep. thing that's developing and that's at Resist POA. Dot, uh, in the, in the, and the website there is at resistpoa.org. So uh, yeah. uh, any other ones that, that everybody should be following? Well, if they need some entertainment, at Turf Truth. <laughs> <laughs> at, at your own risk. <laughs> at your own risk. And, and uh, it's fun mm-hmm. to watch, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't comment too much on that because you're likely to get skewered. Well, I think I think there's about 500 lurkers for every commenter on that one, so we'll we'll just leave it at that. But uh, again, thank you very much uh, for for your time, uh, Raymond. Thank you for no, joining us you. here today. Thank you, Doctor Onru. And and, and uh, please, for all of our listeners out there, do reach out to find out more about BMPs, uh, whether you're in Florida or another state, uh, because it's all good. It's it's a very important thing, and once again, it shows the golf industry's leadership. And, and willingness to, to uh, be uh, uh, professional, be sustainable, and be good citizens of the planet. So, uh, Brian, thank you again for your time. Have a great day. Drive safe out there in Kansas today. All right. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes. 
to send Dr. Schneider and the Harold's Turf Dudes team your questions or comments, or to be featured on an upcoming episode, reach out to us at Turf Dudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. Send us your questions to at turfdudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. Turf Dudes is spelled T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S.